Namaste and welcome to the Bharat Vartha podcast. In the first of our long India series where we speak to people who are optimistic about India's growth prospects in this new decade, we have Preeti Kasi Reddy. She's an entrepreneur, writer and a popular commentator on social media. Preeti is passionate about various aspects of India, uh, from our culture to our thriving startup ecosystem, and we'll try to understand her optimism in further detail in the course of this conversation. Uh, so without further ado, Welcome Preeti thank you so much for making the time Awesome excited to be here Hey so before we uh, you know dive uh, deep in uh, could you give our listeners a brief uh, background about yourself Yeah sure um so I'm a writer entrepreneur um investor my background uh, I was an engineer by trade and I moved to Silicon Valley after college and Um I worked at Goldman Sachs as an investment banker and then um Andreessen Horowitz um I was a venture capitalist there so I did tech investing and then um I decided that I wanted to learn how to code because I felt like one day I want to start my own company or at least like um have the opportunity to start my own company and I felt like if I wanted to do that I needed to learn how to code um I didn't want to be the type of founder that um relied on a technical CEO to build my company. So that's when I left um Andreessen Horowitz to basically teach myself how to code and then um I joined Coinbase as an engineer so I can get some experience coding. And so I spent some time there and that's when I first got into the whole crypto world. And then um after Coinbase I spent a few months just independently um working with different crypto projects during tw- during the 2017 hype cycle and then once the hype cycle sort of um died I, I eventually started my own company called True Story and we're building an application where we can use crypto to basically um incentivize people to debate um and not lie when they make claims on the internet uh we spent 2 years building that and unfortunately we just had to shut down the company because we felt like while we definitely agreed with the idea we didn't feel like the timing was right because a lot of the infrastructure and tooling and just even consumer mindset was not ready for something like that um so we shut that down in the, um about a year ago and ever since then i've been um sort of taking a break and just figuring out um what's next for me personally all right yeah thanks so much uh, for that uh okay let's uh, you know let's begin with the central theme of our discussion Uh what are you optimistic for India as we enter this new decade? What am I optimistic about? Um I think India like India has always had the talent. Um I've always seen that you know like all Indians that I've known in school in college um we were always like the smartest people in the room and so it always was strange to me whenever i looked at india and i'd be like how come india is not um on the global um like platform why aren't at the as competitive as the us or or more competitive um and ultimately i realized that like from a technological point of view they were just behind um and like things like access to the internet and access to good education was just not there and so even though there were smart indians or smart and intelligent the there were a lot of them were kind of being exported out of the country to come to the US and and so they weren't really producing for india itself um 
But then, um, but I, I always, I, I kind of had this in, my, in the back of my mind. I was like, there's, there's really strong talent there. And I just, I felt like at some point in time, there's going to be a moment where this talent can actually have um, the ability to, to flourish. And I feel like we're finally at that stage. And it's because of a whole host of things. Um, one, I be, one of the biggest things I believe is, you know, access to internet because of the geo effect in India that very few people know, knew about, but um, I wrote a thread about it a few weeks ago. Because of the geo effect, I mean, you guys know now so many Indians have access to internet and now entrepreneurs are able to basically be on the same level field as entrepreneurs in the US yeah. because they have access to the same tools and they have access to the same knowledge and they have access to the same network through places like Twitter and stuff. And so it was, it was amazing for me to go to India in 2016 and again in 2020 and get to meet Indian entrepreneurs. And I was like, these entrepreneurs are no, not any worse off than entrepreneurs in Silicon Valley. In fact, I felt like some of them were just as good as entrepreneurs in Silicon Valley. So that's when it kind of clicked for me that I was like, there's something that happened in the last five years that really changed the game of entrepreneurship in India, where, um, the, the, the quality of entrepreneurs is just like 10 X yeah. and it's definitely because of the access to the internet and the knowledge and the knowledge sharing that exists now. And once you have entrepreneurship, I mean, the world is your oyster, right? Because now you have all these kids and, and teens and 20, 30 year olds who have um, the ability to experiment with different ideas and try different um, things to solve different problems in India and globally. And I think um, that's definitely going to happen in the next decade. And I mean, there's a whole bunch of other things, but I think like on the, the, the growth and, and quality of entrepreneurship in India is one of the biggest driver, driving factors. Yeah. No, even about 10 or 12 years back, I mean, we were sort of naive, I think. Uh, and the quality of founders and startups have, you know, dramatically gone up in the last five years, right? And due to various reasons that you just mentioned. Um, do you see that? Uh, do you see that as a compelling change, though? I mean, that you know, people have started looking at India as built for India and so on. Do I see what as a compelling change? Um, you know, the the earlier brain drain that we spoke about, right? People yeah. being exported out of here. Do you see that sort of uh, you know reversed as such right now? I mean, people wanting to come, maybe if not come back to India, maybe build out of India or build for India. Yeah, I think like I think the brain drain. It's still going to happen for the for, for the next couple of years, but I think it's definitely going to slow down as um, India is seen as a like emerging mar um, like a, a new frontier, right? Because like I think entrepreneurs previously like when if if you came to the U.S., you were thought of as successful, right? Mm -hmm. Like even in India, my family, for example, my mom and dad immigrated from India to the U.S. because like the gold standard in India is if you get a chance to go to the U.S., you're considered yeah. successful. Um, and I think that mentality and that 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 mentality about the U.S., it's going to take some time for it to like wane and, 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 and almost like not matter because that's like a huge mental shift for people. But as as more and more people either stay in India or come back to India, um, to like build their careers as more and more pe people do that other entrepreneurs will see that happening and will want to stay because the reality is like 
the India market is so unique because the Indian culture is so unique. Mm -hmm. So even um, I know so many people who've kind of left India to come to the US, but it never feels like home to them. You know, like it, 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 the Indian blood is just in all of us and to just completely um, transplant ourselves and expect to fully integrate, it's really hard. Um, and so I think a lot of people who feel that deep connection to their roots will end up going back because the opportunities are there there now. We yeah. just need um, a few early people to um, to to showcase successful. Basically, we need like a few good case studies of this happening. You know, well-known people who are coming back to India and building a, a meaningful career, and then it'll become sort of like um, a more popular thing, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I think so too. So, you know, 2020 was an unprecedented year. Uh, in the same time that many developed countries, you know, struggled to cope with COVID and everything, we've done fairly well, I would say, right? Uh, thank God for that. Uh, and, you know, we've adjusted to this uh, new paradigm fairly well. Uh, what new opportunities uh, do you see emerging out of this uh, for India specifically? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, like the biggest thing, and it's uh, sort of obvious, is you know the move, remote is is going to become a norm now, right? Um, it's no longer just something that is on the edge cases. It's it's just more and more people are going to find that they rather work remotely so that they have their um, hours of the day rather than commuting. They rather spend their, that time with family or doing things they love to do, right? And um, so as we move into this remote culture, it, location doesn't really matter anymore. You can work for any company from anywhere. And once that happens, then why would then like Indian entrepreneurs now have an opportunity to kind of sh shine on the global global economics uh, stage, I guess. And so what COVID did, really did it is it leveled the playing field for entrepreneurs all around the world. And I think that's something that's totally um, um, going to be is probably underestimated now, but we'll have huge ramifications in like five, 10 years from now. Because like, you, like, you know, even when I was working at Andreessen Horowitz, like location really mattered. We only invested in entrepreneurs who were based in Silicon Valley. For us to even make an investment in New York was a big hurdle because, you know, the travel required to actually, you know, go to board meetings with these entrepreneurs and stuff was just too much of a hindrance. But now, um, like board meetings are, are all, all going to be digital. Um, everything is going to be remote. So like, what's to say that you can't invest in a company in like Zimbabwe or India or anywhere in the world. And so again, it really levels the playing field. And this is the perfect time for Indian entrepreneurs to kind of um, shine in that in that world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to work for a um a Silicon Valley based company out of, let's say, Austin or somewhere, I mean, you might as well work for it uh, from Bombay or Bangalore, right? I mean, what difference yeah. does it make? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you've spoken about the, the geo effect, right? How uh, cheap yeah. internet has transformed uh, connectivity services here. Uh, I think we have the largest uh, monthly consumption of data in the world. It was something somewhere around 12 GB in 2019. I'm sure that would have gone up uh, many times uh, last year, right? Um, how will 5G accelerate uh, this growth, in your opinion? Yeah, I honestly haven't done as much research into 5G. Um, 
I just mostly because I'm philosophically not supportive of 5G because I know that it has um, really negative ramifications in terms of like EMF radiation and a lot of people these days are discovering how sensitive they are to EMF radiation and stuff. So philosophically, I don't agree with 5G because who knows what that's going to do to our brains and bodies and stuff. But, um, you know, I think like hopefully they'll figure out safer ways to distribute 5G internet without destroying the human brain and, and neurological stuff. But let's put all of that aside and um, assuming that 5G is completely safe to deploy. If that's the case, that I think um, obviously that's going to, that's going to even, that's going to magnify the geo effect, right? Um, because like, I mean, I guess like this is a question for you. Like uh, from what I learned is that the geo effect has made data in in India so cheap that like um, the cost is not really a barrier anymore. Um, So then like what benefit would 5G really bring? Is it speed and speed? Is that the only thing? Um, Or like what is the real benefit there? Yeah, so it's connectivity and speed, right? So uh, at this point of time, I mean, you know, the next frontier could be virtualization and, you know, considering how services services are going to evolve, right? So I think, you know, as you mentioned, it's a pretty remote world right now. So I kind of see all kinds of innovation happening out of India. You know, I mean, people, uh, I don't know, like my friend Harsh Gupta says, you know, people probably teaching yoga from here, you know, uh, yeah. to different parts of the world. I mean, probably teaching mathematics to different parts of the world and so on, right? And uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's really going to be the next uh, next wave of innovation uh, out of here i feel yeah i i, I agree that makes um, that makes sense so in terms of connectivity i guess uh, i think like when i was in india even when i was trying to upload a youtube video it took like 12 hours um, <laughs> even though i shrunk the size and everything and it was like pretty cost prohibitive so i can see what you mean in terms of like with 5g it'll even further sort of level the playing field yeah. for whether it's YouTube stars or any kind of virtual virtual economy stuff. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, you know, we we spoke about this very briefly. One thing that, you know, we've seen over the last 10 or 15 years is that the startup ecosystem here is kind of matured, right? And you yeah. spoke about talking to entrepreneurs as well. Um, we're still, I think, four or five decades behind Silicon Valley because, I mean, obviously they had a head start and stuff like that. But what about this emerging startup ecosystem specifically, you know, is exciting for you? Um, first, I'll say that we're, I don't think India is four or five decades ahead. I, 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 mean, I would say they have a head start, a, I suppose. I don't think uh, Silicon Valley has four or five decades head start. I would say at most, they're probably five to eight years ahead of um, India. Okay. Because if you think about it, when was like companies yeah. like no, um, I meant, Snapchat? Uh, sorry, yeah. I meant in terms of when it began. It began in the 60s, right? It, the whole Silicon Valley innovation wave. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, like, you can argue that, like, it began then. But really, when the first internet internet companies were started was, like, in the 90s and 2000s. Um, yeah. So stuff, yeah. I think, like, yeah, like, you know, Amazon. And then we had, like, the like the, the dot-com bust. Really, the, the true innovation in the internet company started after the dot-com bust. So that was, like, not until, like, mid 2000s almost so yeah india is not india is probably a decade behind at most um 
so that's why the coming decade is actually going to be super important if you just look at sort of the history of the U.S. and, and that curve. Um, and that point, what was the question that you originally asked? <laughs> no, I mean, anything that you're specifically excited about in this uh, startup ecosystem as such? In the startup ecosystem, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm excited about a lot. I think India, the India market, again, it's so unique. India is its own culture, its own nation. It's been isolated for hundreds of years. And so it has its own unique problems that no other country in the world has. And so I, I, don't, I don't have the... Um, I'm not on the ground day to day, so I don't have the knowledge of the type of problems that India has anymore. I was on the ground when I was younger, but I, I definitely know that there's just local problems to solve that are big enough markets for all these entrepreneurs to solve. Yeah. Um, that's one. And on a, on a more global scale, um, I think, you know, things like crypto, um, things like um fintech which is already blowing up in india and you know india is way ahead of the us even in their yeah. payment system and stuff um so the crypto and fintech are are going to be huge and beyond that i i think it's hard to say like what else indian entrepreneurs will succeed in i mean the world is kind of their oyster at this point but i really do think for some reason fintech and crypto are going to be two areas that like indian entrepreneurs could shine in assuming the government doesn't do the thing of trying to ban crypto yeah. because that would be that'd be a huge disservice not only to the country but to entrepreneurs there yeah. and as we're seeing with covid and 2021 um the importance of decentralized technology is becoming only more and more evident to a lot more people with all the deep platforming happening and everything and so it's pretty clear to everyone uh, everyone now that we need decentralized alternatives to all the things that exist today, whether it's social networks or money. And the countries and entrepreneurs who build those platforms are the ones that are going to succeed in the next decade. And if we, if India decides to ban crypto, they're basically completely cutting off the opportunity they have to be that innovator in the next decade. And I think that'd be a huge disservice to, yeah, to India as a whole. Yeah. No, I think uh, anytime we're unsure about something, I think the the government just decides to ban it, right? So I think they, yeah, they need I mean, to like, understand the full yeah, uh, it's, implications of it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's one of those things. Like, I mean, from what I understood, like India government is so focused on they have so many other problems to solve. Yeah. Um, you know, things like the black markets and and all this stuff that they're trying to fix. Education um, is another big thing on their on their um, minds. So for them, crypto is almost just like other thing they have to deal with. And yeah. I think I can understand why they're being um, super short sighted about it because they're like, we'll come to this after we deal with other priorities, basically. Exactly. Um, but. It's one of those things where the earlier, you know, like you don't want to hop on the boat when everyone else has hopped on the boat, right? And I think historically that's what India has done, whether right. it's um, whatever technology, even the internet, you know, India is a late adopter to the internet compared to, for example, US and other developed nations. So if in like, this is the chance for India to not be the late adopter and to actually be an early adopter in it. And yeah. Um, as much as exciting as that idea sounds, um, I'm just not sure culturally if that's what the government is willing to do, right? Because um, yeah. the government in India typically tends to be a little bit more conservative 
and um, I don't. But like, but again, they 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 continue to surprise me because you know things like India Stack, like that's yeah. that's incredibly innovative. That's incredibly future. Yeah. That's a lot of foresight, right? Yeah. Um, and they're like, you can't argue that it, it it that required a lot of innovation and um, advanced thinking. So then, so then it makes me wonder, like, if they can come up with something like India Stack that is way ahead of the U.S. and yeah. basically every payment system in the world. I don't understand like why they don't see the value in crypto, right? Um, I think this is what a lot of entrepreneurs are sitting there scratching their head about. It's like, you know, it, it's like, it makes sense to us that crypto makes sense. And why doesn't it make sense to them? The obvious argument seems to be, you know, it's gonna be used for illegal activity, black markets and all that. But I mean, like every tool is gonna to be, is used for good and bad. Yeah. Um, in fact, like on-chain activity is probably easier to track and um, monitor than completely cash-based economies. So only time will tell. I think we just need more entrepreneurs to kind of be activists in this and keep pushing back um, until hopefully some government officials start to actually listen. Yeah. No, I think the real fear is that it will affect monetary policy and, you know, we won't be able to, com- you know, control certain aspects of the economy uh, yeah. if we adopt crypto. I think... Uh, so yesterday, Balaji Srinivasan put out a, a really nice uh, a blog post on why we should buy Bitcoin, not ban it. Right? Yeah. And and he addressed this point specifically where he said that, you know, if you if you have all of these gold reserves, you might as well, you know, uh, buy Bitcoin, which is again, you know, decentralized and also acting like a sort of a digital gold uh, reserve as such, a universal gold reserve, right? So uh, I'm actually optimistic that things might change, you know, I mean, as you said, they haven't really gotten around to, you know, this problem of crypto as such. I mean, they, they still are solving 30 other problems that are top of mind. So uh, any other thing on the fintech front that you're excited about? So you spoke about India stack, which again, you know, regulators have been super proactive and, uh, you know, in developing this along with the ecosystem, right? They've built it in a very API-fied way. Um, do you see that, you know, we could probably innovate for, um, you know, innovate for the world, like outside of India as well, from a fintech perspective? Yeah, I mean, like, I think already there's a lot of countries that are uh, requesting um, the same technology be deployed in their own countries. Like, I think Singapore is one of them. Um, I forget a few other ones that are also looking into um, launching what India Stack did. Look, I think what India Stack is 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 exactly what um, you know. Every like, if if we can rip apart the U.S. financial system and rebuild it from scratch, we would basically build India Stack. Yeah. So that's so like it's 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 advanced. It's absolutely the future. Now the question is, can we make that not just an India Stack but a global stack? Right. I think that's the question you're trying to ask. Hmm. Um, because if we, if India can do that, that's huge too. Um, yeah. And maybe. Maybe the government's plan is actually that. <laughs> Maybe they don't want crypto because they want um, India Stack to be global. Who knows? I don't know. But um, I definitely think India Stack can be global. They just it, there's nothing proprietary about what they're building, except for the fact that it plugs into proprietary banks. But if they can open source that technology and allow all banks to adopt it, then that becomes a global technology. And India is the founder of that, right? So that'd be yeah. really cool. Yeah. So one thing also that you've spoken about is uh, the education, right? I mean, uh, NEP and also you're pretty passionate about education. Yeah. I mean, you have a few thoughts on that. Uh, 
you know, we often hear about this demographic dividend that we have the largest number of young people in the world and so on, right? But in order for these people to like uh, leverage all of the opportunities that are going that they're going to, that are going to come their way this uh, decade, we'll have to focus on you know what kind of education and skills they get, right? So they can capitalize on all of this. Um, any thoughts on that in terms of you know what we should do, what we should not do? I mean, I think I wrote that blog post and thread about the ed tech in India. And when I first went into researching this stuff, um, I didn't expect uh, it to be that uh, forward thinking. But it looks like India, the government has, is really thinking um, ahead of the game in this. And one one of the things I really realized in my research is the government really understands the problems. They're not like blind to the fact that there's a lot of issues with the education system in India. So, I mean, you know, the first step of solving any problem is actually to identify the problem. So it's encouraging that they actually, you know, see see it for what it is rather than um, being ignorant about it. Two, I think that the, the solutions that they have in place are, you know, are probably the best that's possible especially in like a more public school setting where there's a lot of making change is much harder than, you know, a private setting. Um, but I think, uh, so like from a govern government perspective, I think they're doing all the right things. Um, I can't think of anything more necessarily they can do. But I do think um, from a private sector point of view, meaning technology companies and tech companies, I think there can be a lot more innovation there. And I think we're starting to see the early wave of that with like Baiju and um, white hat and stuff like that. Um, and I, could, I, I sense that that will continue to grow. And, you know, historically, when I was at A16Z, um, EdTech was um, a, a sector that we, we didn't really invest in because for some reason, um, when you look at like a, an economic, from an economic point of view, you know, education is just not um, valued economically as much as other sectors like finance and fintech and stuff like that. You know, ed tech companies get like what one billion dollar valuations at most or something. Um, even companies like Duolingo, which are really really cool apps, um, you know, they don't end up making that much money and they're not highly valued from in the public markets either. So there's very little. Um, there's not that much ed tech innovation in the U.S. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. No, I think. Uh... Um, yeah, so partly because I think it was very services led, right? I mean, you had to have classrooms, teachers, students, and that kind of thing. But then, I mean, what you're realizing now is that that can really scale with, you know, uh, remote technologies and so on. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And another thing with the US is like, unlike, I think in India, education is so much more valued than in the US. Yeah. You know, like, uh, not that the US doesn't value education, but more that like, you know, Indian parents grill children from a very young age into the importance of studying, importance of education. So I think the Indian market will value ed tech companies much higher than yeah. the US market will value ed tech companies. And that will incentivize entrepreneurs to build ed tech companies because again, it's like, it's in our blood to just really value education. Yeah. Um, that, that I don't see that same feeling um, and emotion towards education in the U.S. It's just different. Um, so I'm excited for EdTech in India. You know, just a slight diversion on that same point, right? I mean, in the same time that we are seeing this resurgent India, there are plenty of changes happening uh, in America that are not so promising as well. You know, this sort of a like a hint of a cultural decline. Uh, oh, yeah. 
do you see that as you know you see that as valid oh yeah I mean, it's not a hint it's a massive cultural decline um it's everywhere uh and it's it's quite um it's quite sad because yeah like it's one of those things where um the us never really had anything that unified it except for money um right what do you come to the us for you come to make money um you come for jobs you come for the economy there's no like shared culture and shared history um it's very like diverse set of people that are all coming here just to make money and and then whereas like countries like india you know they have a very strong culture very strong history um very strong identity to it um and because of the lack of culture here i just you know it's we've seen it over the last decade where there's there is a huge cultural decline and that's not in my opinion there's there's no reversing that it's already on its way and i think like america is sort of reaching the late stage capitalism where um uh you know not every every uh superpower can last forever right every empire ev- eventually dies so you're seeing sort of the peak of america now and i think countries like india have the opportunity to sort of rise up while the america is sort of on a steady flat line or even decline. And the thing I'd be very cautious about though is I think India historically um has looked up to the US as almost like a role model. Mm-hmm. But I think it's very important for India to also look at the downsides of copying the US for what it is and rather than copying just think you know be be original be innovative and don't lose the sense of culture and shared history that india has because you don't want to fall in the same traps that the us has fallen with the decline you know um because i'm trying to see that you know on the fringes in india where some of the you know the wokeism as it's called today mm. um i'm trying to see some indian accounts you know kind of propagate that type of wokeism and that's because they have access to the internet and they have access to people in the US who are promoting this these ideas and now they think those are ideas those are good ideas because the US people are promoting them and they're promoting them in India and i think like you don't want this type of mentality to be infected amongst indians because that yeah. will india will just fall to the same um will be prey to the same uh identity politics as the US yeah no sometimes i think about it and i feel like it can only emerge in the most prosperous country in the world right i mean yeah who would really yeah, have I mean, time happens, for something like, like that exactly i mean like the roman empire had at the end at the peak of it it uh it also started facing the same stuff you know with the identity politics gender stuff all the stuff was happening it happens you know every time um an uh a, a society or or a country or a nation is sort of at the brink of its um collapse basically right so for you know some of us who are looking um at that stuff uh, from here right i mean it kind of seems like it's a fringe movement or um uh, something on the outside or you know something that the the media picks up and you know uh, highlights right but is that really mainstream there i mean and is that that much of a um, you know what what can i say i mean is that as much of an impact as it's made out to be yep um i would say you know if you asked me 5 years ago i'd be like oh no that's on the fringes like that's not that's nothing to worry about but you know like the 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 scary part is that this type of stuff is being taught in schools 
right and you're starting to see like just scary stuff like the whole transgender movement and you know children being allowed to change their gender when they're young and and like all this crazy stuff and you're like how does how does this make any sense and it's like they're these kids are being taught stuff um from a young age and so they end up getting older and and then you know they've been they've been basically they were taught this stuff since the last like 10 to 15 years so now that generation is you know in the 20s and like that's the generation that's going to exist for the next you know x number of decades so that's not going away it's only going to become more and more mainstream and we have people here fighting back against it for sure there is the other side um but it's one of those things where it's like you know the ball's just going to keep rolling i don't know if you can stop it um yeah. so uh i just i really just hope india doesn't fall on the same tracks right yeah i mean that uh yeah it seems bizarre but i mean it's actually pretty serious actually you know and uh what are some other things that could possibly hold us back uh, this decade? You know, while there's a lot of optimism and stuff, uh, one thing, as you mentioned, is this whole sort of work culture, uh, privileging rights over responsibilities, etc., coming yeah. here and, you know, uh, sort of destroying the foundations and cultural ethos, right? But um, anything else that you see as a threat for us uh, uh, in terms of growth? Honestly, that's probably the biggest one, because I think like, I think all the drivers for India's growth are, are there. Um, uh, I think that the wokeness is, is, yeah, preventing wokeness is definitely one. Um, I mean, like the, uh, the other big thing, I guess, is the government um, and their ability to be a little bit more um, cooperative with, with sort of entrepreneurs. Um, sort of like look at Singapore, right? Singapore designed its entire country around being entrepreneur friendly and um, and uh, business friendly. And I think if India can kind of, not that it has to be as business friendly as Singapore because that's a really high bar, but like if it can kind of follow that as like a, a role model almost and, and you know, make, make starting a business in India really, um, easy and incentivize entrepreneurs you know historically in india that like being a entrepreneur was considered taboo right like yeah it's very recent that like you can be an entrepreneur and like consider that like a reasonable thing to do so i think like um encouraging that culture and that that comes from the government um yeah. encouraging and incentivizing that you know in schools in um, in various like regulatory stuff, um, you know, allowing public investors to come to India and actually invest in, in entrepreneurs there, because I know that there's been quite a few investors who tried to in, invest in Indian entrepreneurs in the last decade. And they said it was just such a headache. They have to do all this paperwork and they have to do all this like legal stuff. And, you know, the government can come in and make anything illegal at any time and your company can just, you know, be destroyed as a result. So the government just, you know, being a little bit more reasonable and um, forward yeah. thinking would, is definitely a big deal. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, so we did this whole episode on regulation. Uh, up, so the labor laws and regulation has uh, been eased recently, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they've struck down plenty of laws uh, that were no good anyway in the first place. So I think the, the implicit assumption in India, even uh, to a certain extent, even now, is the fact that a businessman is trying to hoodwink people right i mean it's trying to hoodwink uh, the government at least at the very least mm -hmm. and 
if you look at the 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 generation that you spoke about where you know uh, entrepreneurship was not really aspirational i mean they really had nothing to look up to you know because the honest entrepreneur in the whole license raj which was extremely regulated would not make a buck uh, or i mean you know you had the other variety who had to find ways and means around uh, you know uh, all of the laws and regulation which meant doing all the shady activities right but um it's only over the last 15 years that you know people have gotten to look up to the likes of sachin bansal for example um or or even uh, you know mukesh ambani with the whole jio thing right i mean if you have these uh, entrepreneurs right now who all of us can look up to you know and uh, i think that's a key cultural shift uh, and i think the government recognizes it as well because simply the number of times the government mentions the word startup um whether it's you know in um, you know in the prime minister's address or um, any key speeches and what not right i mean it's it's just dramatically gone up over the last 5 10 years yeah i mean that's awesome uh and and i was reading somewhere for example that the the time to start a business went down a lot too like it was like it used to take like months to just just to start a incorporate a company and now it's like a couple of weeks or something so yeah things like that yeah like yeah. I, i think like it it's it's it, The government is definitely moving in the right direction. I think they can still do a lot more. Of course. Um, yeah. And sort of really use Singapore as an example to follow. Yeah. Yeah. Because right. I mean, I've heard that a lot of Indian entrepreneurs for example are going to Singapore because it's yeah. just easier. Yeah, they incorporate um, there because yeah. it's it's easier to raise, uh, you know, all the funding related stuff is a lot yep. more easier. Uh dealing with SEBI is is not a trivial thing, you know. Yeah. So, exactly. <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah, there's a lot know, of paperwork. You, Yeah and you you want to keep the entrepreneurs there you want to keep them in India and keep them you know incorporating in India that way you know you 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 retain the talent you don't want them yeah. to leave and incorporate somewhere else get funding from somewhere else but like you know build from India or something right Yeah Yeah I I think there are like two things happening right so one is that I think a lot more growth capital will make its way to India you'll see a lot more yeah. funds that are willing to invest like 40 50 million dollars upwards right series B series C upwards uh that will happen and at the same time i think the regulation will will definitely catch up because they do recognize this right the fact that you know people are sort of incorporating in uh, delaware or you know singapore uh to sort of you know uh, uh yeah to for all of these reasons so i think they will catch up i think so too yeah yeah yeah, yeah. hopefully so you know preeti we've ha- we've discussed plenty about you know what uh, india could be like uh, this decade uh, my final question is if you had sort of a wish list right like three things that you could wave with a wand uh, wand and uh, make happen this uh, decade for india uh, what would they be three wish lists ha huh? interesting one is that crypto doesn't get banned okay that's going to be huge for india um two is oh gosh um two is that i hope that we see a lot more seed through growth stage capital in india really like and not just indian um like basically global money moving into india um and investing in indian entrepreneurs and recognizing an opportunity there i think that would be huge for um this startups in india um what else if i can wave a magic wand um three is like it it goes back to like 
I hope that India does figure out a way to preserve its culture while it's competing in the global uh, coming decade. And I hope that it, you know, that it doesn't lose its culture. Yeah. No, I think that's super important to hear that, you know, I mean, uh, it, it's good for us to listen to that a little more, you know, and yeah. uh, recognize our own innate uh, strengths in our culture because, you know, the kind of history that we're taught or in general, I mean, the mindset that we have is that, you know, we look we look to the West for all the good stuff, right? All the innovation and yeah. everything. So, yeah. Yeah. And then I think like now that that worked in the past when the West was on the rise. Yeah. But now as the West starts to to you know flatline or even decline um i'm hope i'm ho- hopeful that you know people will be taught sort of the the negative uh the downsides of it too and yeah. and like like i it's like it's like one of those things where you know as um when you see someone else succeeding you think that you have to copy them to be like them but then in copying them you lose a part of yourself so it's about it's more about like looking at what made this person successful and then looking at your own strengths and kind of creating a new um definition of of success right? right right i think like that's the way india should think about how it wants to succeed in the global market yeah like absorb all of the good stuff and be mindful of the bad stuff as well yeah exactly yeah, yeah thank you so much preeti this has been a fascinating conversation awesome thank you thanks for having me thanks bye bye all right bye good night Thank you for tuning in. This podcast uh, was brought to you by the team at Bharat Vartha. If you liked this podcast, then don't forget to share, subscribe and rate us on your favorite platforms. Uh, we're available on Anchor, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Breaker, YouTube and a host of other platforms. Uh, we started Bharat Vartha to facilitate long form discussions on uh, politics, policy and culture. We don't necessarily endorse anything that was said in this episode. Uh, if you do wish to offer us any feedback on the content or anything else, uh, do reach out to us on social media or get in touch with us uh, on our website, www.bharatvartha.in. Uh, the links are in the description below. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, stay safe, take care and Jai Hind.